0: From the American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham, this is Due South on WUNC. I'm Leonita Inge. It's not hard to find someone in these parts who celebrates the fact that they can make their own wine, vodka, whiskey, even brew their own beer at home. History tells us growing hops and crafting beer, for example, was a task many African enslaved women perfected in America, hundreds of years ago. Today, if you check out the spirit scene, it's mostly run by white men, but that's changing. A few of my girlfriends invited me to a new bar in downtown Durham called Glory. You know, we were celebrating the start of Due South. Let's say we have to have a toast, guys. Thank you very much for coming out and for supporting me and yeah. always being here. Okay. We're Woo! proud of you, Lee. Thank We're you. proud of you. Do, do self. Do self in the house. Our visit to Glory was intentional. Mm. We wanted to patronize one of the only black-owned, woman-owned bars in town. It does
1: kind of give you that speakeasy feel and the lighting, you know, the ambiance that we want to create. Nothing pretentious, just relaxed and chill.
0: Joy DeBerry is the co-owner of Glory Craft Cocktail Bar in Durham. She's one of four women we'll talk to this hour as we celebrate Black women and spirits and get to the bottom of why it's been so hard for them to break into this business. I got the chance to sit down with Joy in her cozy bar, decorated with vintage mirrors, candles, and photos of Vibe magazine covers on the wall. She says even with money in hand, the obstacles were many. So why this place? I mean, you're an entrepreneur. Um, Why uh, a speakeasy? You know, why not some other type of business and i'm one to say i've lived in durham a long time and i feel something a place like this has been needed but maybe that's yeah. what you did you found out in your research correct
1: yeah that's very true so i'm a, i am a durham native um, and you know i've had the opportunity my husband and I, i've had the opportunity to live in durham um dc northern virginia area charlotte miami and we've had the opportunity to travel the world going to cocktail bars. And Glory could have been anywhere um, in the world, honestly. But we felt the need uh, to have it in Durham. Uh, number one, to have a black owned bar in Durham was very important because it's not something that is unique in a lot of other places, but in Durham, it was. Um, and it was something that we did not see and we felt that it was very important. And so we wanted to create a space that we would go to. And that's what glory is it's fun, it's relaxed, it's chill. We wanted a place that was not a restaurant. We didn't want any kids, didn't want any pets. We wanted this. I understand. I understand.
0: (laughs) So lately I've been talking to several Black women who are new to the spirits industry. Did you have any? Obstacles, you know, as a you know black woman, actually doing this, you know, like I mean, because um, they they said that they did have some yeah. obstacles, but it was time to um, break barriers, yeah. and like why not?
1: Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you, we were very fortunate. Um, the biggest obstacle we had first was just finding a space, um, trying to get a space, trying to make sure that people understood that you're not opening up another nightclub, especially being a minority, being black. You know, you go to look at a building, everything looks good, and then they see you, and then things change. So it, we did have experiences like that. Um, it's been very hard to find a location. That's probably the first barrier. Um, a lot of people, when it comes to the spirit side, like I said, I have a, a background or I have, the opportunity, have had the opportunity to know a little bit about the spirits industry um, just from being a consumer. But also just learning a lot more through my interactions with my husband, um, us having a, you know, we used to have a multicultural marketing agency that was geared towards um, the spirits industry. So a lot of this is not new to me. Owning ES. Um, and, and the barrier, I can tell you, is um, finding other people that look like you to number one, share information because, you know, people don't want to share information. It's very weird. But also, um, really not kind of giving up, I would say, um, because it's easy to give up. There are a lot of rules and regulations when it comes, you know, alcohol is a highly regulated industry. If you're small, um, the resources, you know, are difficult. Investors, things like that. We are we're self-funded, so it's been it's of course it's been difficult, you know. Um, and then you go out a lot of times and you see a bar and they have 15 investors, you know. And so you're like, <laughs> we had a vision, um, and we've stuck by that vision.
0: So tell me about what's on the shelf okay. <laughs> and what 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 you serve here. And I wonder. You know, do you have any brands at all from people of color? Absolutely. Like, I don't know how yeah. um, diverse you can get yeah. in a new bar, but yeah. what, what do you have of over there?
1: Um, we have, we carry Uncle Nearest. Um, we carry um, Old Hillside. Um, so, you know, we do our best to carry the, the brands, the quality spirits, I'll say that. And, and I don't say that to be discouraging, but um, we are very particular about the, the brands that we have here because we want to introduce something different. We try to get a lot of the, um, our, our wine is, is um, longevity out of California. It's a, a black owned brand. Um, so we try to do whatever we can um, to, you know, just really bring things that aren't really known to um, to our audience, which is a diverse audience. You don't really know sometimes about brands or who's behind the brand. Um, and anytime that we can come across some spirits that are great, we try to
0: push them to the forefront. You're working hard and it shows. Cheers. Thank Thank I had Michael cheers. drink over here.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: cheers. <laughs> now back to work. The DeBerrys, who own Glory Cocktail Bar in Durham, work hard to make sure some of the spirits they sell are Black-owned products, like this craft beer called Peace and Blessings. It's brewed by Brianna Brake, owner of Spaceway Brewing Company in Rocky Mount. We met Brianna in the Due South studio. What's it like to be someone who's becoming the voice of Black women brewers in North
2: Carolina? Well, am I? Yes um no pressure uh that's i hadn't thought about it like that i just i don't know i'm just trying to keep up with myself and in in this industry and and stay in here um as far as being the voice i guess that's you know i'll I'll do what i can and um help out along the way people that are trying to um i guess following the footsteps that i'm that i'm taking but um yeah, that's a lot, it's to so, be the it, voice. That's, I know.
0: I know it's hard. It's hard to be amongst the first. I mean, uh, it's so few of you. We can barely yeah. count. But when we started asking, then we started finding you. Yeah. <laughs> you, you ladies, and bring. now we're like, we've got to bring you together.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So you've attended Black in, I guess, previous years. And, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Why is it so important for, I guess, black brewers and alcohol makers to really convene in that way, you know, what are some of the things that you draw from each other when you're in community like that?
2: Um, it's good to just just to see that um, someone you can relate to in in speaking. You don't have to feel like you're, I guess, code switching or or whatever. You could just, you know, it's like family. You get together and you can be your set self and not feel like you are the only black woman doing this thing. It's like you know, well, it's it's other people that look like me that are doing this and they're trying to get into it so it's good to have that um those those people to kind of feel like like family sort of kind of hearing you know their experiences and their
0: challenges you're like
2: ah yeah so I know I'm not the only one I'm not you know I'm not crazy um you know those that weird thing that that person said to me I'm not I'm not tripping about it like yet. Well, did, did,
0: yeah. Well, did family, I don't know, family or friends actually say, what are you doing? You know, why did you do this? And I want to know, how did you start brewing beer?
2: It started as just a hobby. I was um, laid off from a job that I was working as a um, software engineer in, in RTP back in like 2009. After that, I was having a hard time finding work like everybody was having, you know, struggling. And um, I ended up actually moving out of the country to South Korea to uh, teach English because I got an invite to come and teach English. I was like, well, I'm not doing anything else. Let me go check this out for a little while. So then when I came back, I'm still looking for work, just trying to find stuff to do. And I picked up brewing at home just to, you know, I was like, oh this looks cool. Let me, let me try it out. And then I got, uh, obsessed with it. When I came back from Korea, I was seeing like all these craft breweries were popping up. Like, uh, I think one of the first ones that I went to was like full steam. And I was like, Oh, this Endurance, is cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is so cool. Um, and then I started trying out craft beer and I was like, this is different. This is something going on here. And then I realized that I could do that at home. And, um, I started, you know, making beers and some of them were, you know, they were tasting better than the stuff that I was getting at some of the breweries um that I was going to and I was like, "Oh, this is cool." That's how it started. And that's how it started. You're and like, I can make this myself. Yeah, I can do it myself and I was also um I had ended up I was in law school. You know, this is after a while after I had gotten started with it as a hobby. I did end up getting a job at a law school and then I realized I don't want to do that and Like I said, I was kind of passionate, obsessed with making beer. So I was like, well, let me see if I can do that instead. And um, here I am. Coming up, more on
0: black women and spirits. Brianna Brake talks about the hurdles she's crossed to start Spaceway Brewing Company and then we meet Tinu Diver, a lawyer and documentarian who has followed the history of Black women and brewing over generations. You're listening to Do South on WUNC. Welcome back to Do South. You're listening to our special hour on Black Women and Spirits. We just heard from Brianna Brake, founder of Spaceway Brewing Company. Here she is again on the significance of her company's location. So, I want you to talk a little bit about why Rocky Mount, you know, why was it important for you to open up a a brewery there?
2: Um, Well, that's where the... um Rocky Mount Mills is, Mm -hmm. and they have a, it started out as a um, brewery incubator space. There's nothing else like that in the the country. Um, And like I said, I'd been making beer, decided I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I was like, okay, what does that look like? What do I have to do in order to open my own brewery? And it was like, uh, you need to have a million dollars, and (laughs) I don't have that. So when the opportunity to... um, lease the space at Rocky Mount Mills, at least the, you know, the the brewing equipment and and be able to get started that way it just made, made sense to um to to go to Rocky Mount. What about I guess mentorship? How how important has that been for you? Oh, definitely um a lot cuz from going from home brewing to, you know, a 5-gallon system to a 10-barrel system, which is like 300-something gallons. It's, you know, that was, I needed, um, that was another thing that the Rocky Mount Mills provided. You know, there's uh, other brewers out there and uh, people that I could run to when I had questions and didn't know what I was doing. You know, it's, people were there to to help out. Well,
0: your company is called Spaceway Brewing, and I've, I've heard that that name was
2: sort of inspired by your interest in Afrofuturism. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So tell me about that. Um, yeah, so... Spaceway comes from... The name Spaceway comes from um, the composer, poet, uh, musician Sun Ra. Mm-hmm. He had a song called We Travel the Spaceways," we travel the spaceway And um, he's kind of credited with being like the godfather of Afrofuturism. Um, and Afrofuturism is about Seeing black and brown people in in spaces as of leadership, um, as opposed to like background characters and, you know, pop culture images. So I wanted to be not just working on the ship, but the captain of the ship. Captain of the ship. And you don't see that in this industry. Like um, you might go to a brewery and see, you know, somebody that looks like you may be working in the back or helping out or whatever, but they're never the boss it's, and you know, there's uh, a lot of younger people coming up that are getting interested now because, and they told me, you know, I see what you're doing and, you know, I think that's cool and I wanna do the same thing. So I'm like, come on, we need more people that look like us doing this.
0: Well, I'm here with Brianna Brake, founder of Spaceway Brewing Company in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. I wanna know a little bit more about what you bring to the taste of your, of your beer. You know,
2: um, What would I taste if I, you know, open one of your cans? Uh, It depends on what you're looking for. You know, I've got um, my a lot of my recipes and the names of my beers are um, influenced by just music and and stuff that I read. Um, Don Dada is one of my 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 most uh, popular beers. It's a cardamom stout, and it's a little you know different twist on a traditional type style of beer I put cardamom in it um and that was because I was when I was thinking about the recipe I was like eating Jamaican food and listening to the song Don Dada and I was like ah you know yeah that, that light bulb and um you know some of the flavors that I wanted to incorporate into to my beer, beer was stuff that I was tasting in the food that I was eating. And so um I think the that would be I will start you out with, with the
0: <laughs> So tell me about your customers. You know, um we dragged you in here um today because you you were out making deliveries. So how is yeah. that going? How how is your business going?
2: Um right now it's it you know it's been it's been slow. It's been a roller coaster ride, honestly. I'm just uh <laughs> happy to, to still be doing this because I, you know, I started uh, back in 2018, like the end of 2018. And then once I was finally start, then kind of feel like I knew what I was doing or getting it going and then COVID hit and, you know, had to shut everything down and try to regroup and rebuild what I was, you know, was, was starting. But I think I'm, I'm getting there. Like I said, there's been several times where I've been knocked down and, 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 look like, oh, okay, this, this might be it. You know, I'm calling my mom like, okay, ma, I think this is it. (laughs) And she's like, uh, no, no, it's not. Like, keep going, keep moving and doing what you can do. And, you know, um, while you're dealing with the issues that you're having to deal with, just keep, if you got to go slow, then go slow. Um, And that's been working. I'm still here. I still have beer. So.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more about Maybe some of your business challenges, you know, making sure you mm. get
2: your product into stores. Biggest challenge has been working capital. Make, making sure that I have the money that I need to continue brewing and to, so that I can keep these, the product on the shelves. Um, that's been the biggest problem. I think that's been the biggest issue that my customers have had. It's just that, you know, they they hit me up, they want the beer, and I'm like, I want to make it. I don't have it right now. You know, I didn't have the the funds to produce that right now. So it's going to be a little while, but it's coming, you know. So that's been the the, the biggest challenge is just fun, raising funds to keep operating. So as a Black woman, maybe you can describe
0: now maybe some of the unique attributes that you feel that you're bringing to this industry. And mm-hmm. one of them that I hear, not only just more than just the taste, but just the artistry all around it, mm-hmm. but really perseverance I mean, okay. you've you've well, had a few different jobs and a few yeah. different goals and dreams, but mm-hmm. you, you're still here and you're stuck with this.
2: Yes, I don't. Um, I was talking to a friend the other day, and they were like, you know, you've been through a lot. Like mm-hmm. you're still doing this, and like, you know, blood, sweat, tears, and all that. And I said, you know, I'd still all the stuff that I've been through was trying to keep this going. Um, I'd still rather be doing this than sitting at that desk that I was sitting at. <laughs> I, I I I understand. I understand. You know, when we
0: think about you know perseverance, working hard, and just the history of just beer making, brew making, you know, it really goes back to enslaved people. Oh yeah, in the in this country. I mean, we know the Germans and mm-hmm. you know what every other country brought to this country in beer making, but um, enslaved people have been known. And women, you know, kind of whatever's left over out there, they knew how to ferment and make some beer. Do you feel that weight on you? Or is that that a happy weight? Like I'm continuing. It's a happy weight. It's it's a
2: thing that you know when I I start feeling like, oh my gosh, this is too much. Why did I do this? I'm crazy. And and I think back to all the people that came before me, and you know, I'm sure they would. The people that were making beer um, for other people, they weren't making it for their, their friends and their family to. Enjoy. They were making it for their masters, and um, I think if they could see me doing this as, as for myself and being able to share it with my family and friends, and being able to, I guess you know, even just having a business like that's, yeah, I I can keep it moving. Yeah, that, that helps. It gives you some strength. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So, what distinct?
0: What's I guess what's distinct about. North Carolina beer and brewing, you know, like you could have gone back to South Korea (laughs) and started this business, but no, you know, you you were born and bred in Durham, North Carolina, and your company is in Rocky Mount. Um, What continues to definitely keep you here? What's in North Carolina?
2: Oh, this is home. This is, you know, my family, my friends, my roots. I was born and raised in Durham. My mom was born and raised in Durham. My grandma, uh, who recently passed, was she wasn't born in Durham. She was from um, Granville County, but she was here in the 30s, you know. So this is home. This is where I want to be. This is the place that I know. This is place, you know, I had all my memories, all that stuff. So, um, and I want to see this place become what it could be. Like, there's so much beer here and some great beer, but um, there's a lot more that could be done, a lot more that could be brought to the table.
0: So what do you tell young brewers, especially young female, black female brewers, like what are some of your, some mm. of your, your advice and tips?
2: Keep brewing. Every chance you get, brew um, and, and talk to people. Go out and um, make sure you, don't be afraid to let people sample your stuff. That was my thing in the beginning, I I was so scared somebody was going to drink my beer and frown up and not like it and honestly you know that's happened before but everybody's not going to like what you do just keep doing it if you, if you enjoy it and if you're passionate about it then i say find a way to keep doing it
0: Brianna Brake is the founder of Spaceway Brewing Company in Rocky Mount North Carolina Thank you thank you Brianna Brake doesn't even know what a boss she already is in the brewing world But she'll be all right, because she has history behind her. I learned a lot of that history talking to Tinu Diver. She's a lawyer who graduated from UNC Chapel Hill. She also studied at the Center for Documentary Studies at Duke University. She's using her talents to tell the story of black women in brewing.
3: So my my journey ultimately starts with my parents, uh, who came to the U.S. from Nigeria in the 70s. Um, and they um, kind of instilled me with kind of a very Afrocentric understanding of the history of beer. So I grew up knowing about Egyptians brewing. I grew up knowing about Ethiopians brewing. And they actually had a family friend, uh, Mr. Smith, who uh, worked for Nigerian breweries in Nigeria. So the first brewer I ever met was a black African, specifically Nigerian man. Um, And so kind of, you know, taking this like very kind of Afrocentric understanding I had of beer Um, I happened to be attending um, the Haytai Heritage Film Festival here in Durham. And uh, during one of the intermissions, I went to get, you know, some refreshments and they were doing a beer tasting. And the person pouring was like, oh, this beer was made by a black woman. I said, oh, that's great. And they're like, yeah. And she's apprenticing a woman in eastern North Carolina. I was like, excuse me? Like, what? Like, I didn't see that coming. Like, you know, huh? And so I thought, okay, so I just kind of filed that. So I started researching and found out that there was a Black beer festival called, at the time, called Fresh Fest that happened every year in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Took a trip uh, to Fresh Fest and discovered, at least for myself, this whole world of Black beer culture, which I had no idea existed. And it's it's a thing. At Fresh Fest, I also was learning about people like Garrett Oliver, who um, head brewer at Brooklyn Brewery, Black man, who had been around for decades. And I'm like, why don't I know about this person? Why have I never heard, you know, this history? But most importantly, as I started going around and, you know, tasting the beers, I stopped at one table, I was tasting the beer, looked down at the business card, and it said, you know, Spaceway Brewery, Rocky Mount, North Carolina. And I look up, and I'm like, you're in Rocky Mount? And she's like, yeah, and I'm from Durham. And I'm like, huh? And so that was when I met Brianna Brake. And um, I said, um, oh, you're the one I've been hearing about. Because I remembered kind of the story I'd heard back at um, the Haytai Film Festival. Um, And the person she was being apprenticed by, or Celeste Beatty, who... And Celeste is known uh, kind of somewhat globally as the first black woman in the U.S. to own her own craft brewery. Okay. Yes, Harlem Brewing. And I think it's really important to note that Celeste, as a graduate of uh, Shaw University... Um, from Go Winston, Bears, yes, <laughs> Go Bears. From Winston Salem, as family in Wilmington, so some really you know deep ties. And also you know Brianna again being from um, from Durham um, herself, and um, having spent some some time studying at um, NCCU, and so. Um, that's kind of when I realized, like, okay, here, there's a there there, because you know when you're working on a project, you're kind of like, oh my, is this, is there anything here? And then I realized, oh no, there's there's a there there.
0: But Tina, should we be that surprised? It just <laughs> seems like black families, in many ways, um, those that I know, they always were making a little something, you know, in, in the backyard, you know, spirits, you know, for the holidays, especially even today. I know yeah. people out of mm-hmm. Kingston, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that mm-hmm. that yeah. make special brews just for their family. Yeah.
3: When you particularly start talking about Southern foodways, right, that is such a strong part of um, North Carolina's identity the practice of distillation, of fermentation. I mean, one, these are practices that have been with civilization since the beginning of time, right? Anytime you find a culture or civilization connected to the land, con- connected to agriculture, you're going to find, right, these practices. And so to your point, it should be no surprise, particularly when you think about North Carolina and in our you know agricultural history and even our agricultural present, um, it shouldn't be. And yet I think there's still a lot of, you know, one of the things that I find really interesting about beer as a part of the subject matter is I find that it's this prism through which you can refract all these really interesting um, um, things about culture and society. And so you get into conversations about things like respectability, you know, the, the complicated relationship between the African-Americans and alcohol, whether it's around marketing and culture. I was thinking this morning on my walk about how like this year is like the 50th anniversary of hip hop and how it's like this, Year long, you know, celebration, and you can't talk about that without talking about like the intersection between hip hop culture and beer and alcohol. St. Ives, Heineken, Henny, you know.
0: Snoop Dogg Sen- has his brand. There you go. Wine. I know.
3: Um, and so how? And even before that, you know, one of my most salient memories was, you know, growing up and picking up a copy of Essence and Ebony and seeing, you know, um, um, oh my gosh, a
0: <laughs> well, long time ago that Billy Dee Williams. Billy
3: G- that like <laughs> I whole, knew. Whole I was like, who was yeah, that? Because you know. I was like, who's you
0: the most it? beautiful man in the world? They would have advertising, you know, liquor, right?
3: You want to yes. know why you
2: should keep plenty of Cold 45 on hand? You never know when friends might show up. Um,
3: and so, um, and then you have, um, you know, mom- cultural moments like, um, you know, Dick Gregory's, you know, at the CNN State of the Union. People, what are you putting in my malt liquor, white boy? Malt liquor. It's a really complicated, I think, kind of connection to history. But I think we're also in a time where there's lots of conversations happening about this word reclamation and what does it mean for black folks um to kind of claim and what reclaim, we mm-hmm, and already show up in, had. Exactly. That you even if you couldn't tell by going into your average tap room, um folks to know that this is something that belongs to them, that's been a, a part of, you know, our you know heritage and history. And seeing what folks are finding in some um some different archives in terms of seeing the connections, the historical connections between black men and brewing has been really interesting. Um a year ago or so I had the opportunity to write a um, article for a publication called good beer hunting. And, um, the article was called a black woman made this beer and it was examining the connections between black women brewers and HBCUs because in the three examples that I gave, actually not three, I gave you two, but the third (laughs) that I haven't mentioned is, um, Miss Patricia Henry. Um, so miss, um, so Miss Patricia Henry was, um, the uh, first woman and first black woman To be a brewmaster of a macro brewery, so not small, not craft, but macro brewery, um, when she ran the Miller's Coors plant in Eden, North Carolina, so north of um, Greensboro, kind of near the Virginia border. Um, And um, Miss Henry is uh, Bennett Bell. um, And, uh, you know, so, you know, kind of seeing, you know, noticing kind of that connection um, when I was, you know, getting to know more about the the background of Brie and Celeste and um, Miss Henry. Um, it was really interesting kind of to notice that and to think about, wow, what are the things that were going on to kind of um, create the type of uh, place um, and the type of community that, you know, would produce, you know, women who are kind of vanguards, you know, in this space. Um, I think the other really surprising thing coming out of the archives, um, sadly, but it's it's the truth, is the connections between um, what people are finding in slave ads um, and so, one of um, one, I heard about that. Yeah, so Patsy Young, yes, um, who Franklin again? Yeah, North Carolina. I'm from telling Beach you, Franklin County, just somewhere up there, not that far from. Yeah, not yeah, just not that far. Um, but yeah, um, so slave ad that um, was actually run in the news in Raleigh. Yes, the Raleigh newspaper. Yes, um, that a researcher who works at the um, the Smithsonian, um, Teresa McCullough, um, uh, found And one of the descriptions that was included was that she was a master brewer. And so, uh, and they
0: knew that's how they could possibly find her because she was just that good. And this was in the early 1800s. I I heard about that story. Mm -hmm. I mean, your sweatshirt you have on says "Beer is Black History," which means you you can't really talk about beer in America without talking about black people, can you?
3: No, you can't. And I think one of the other really um, uh, underappreciated things around beer education in North Carolina is our uh, community college system. So, um, last year I actually took the commercial brewing class at Wake Tech community. College. Amazing.
0: I did Uh, not know they they had such a
4: class.
3: They do. They actually have a certificate program at Wake Tech. Um, but, um, yeah, we folks have access locally to some really top-notch, um, instruction, um, that includes like hands-on, like we had like classroom time, but we were also in a brewery making beer hands-on. Um, and, um, that's pretty relatively accessible. For the certificate they require you to do um, basically like an internship but they have relationships with breweries and help place you Um, so it's a great way for folks to get that hands-on experience and possibly find you know a place for them to land if this is something that they want to do and pursue.
0: Tino Diver is a a lawyer and filmmaker and she's working on a big project, the film we're waiting for, This Belongs to Us, which chronicles the history of black and brown women beer brewers in the South. Coming up, we go to Charlotte and meet a black woman who says she has one of the best top shelf flavored vodkas around. This is Due South. Welcome back to Do South. I'm Leonida Inge, and we're showcasing black women and spirits from public radio, just asking people what they're drinking, what brought them out. I'm Zenobia, and I stay in Durham, uh, but I'm from Asheville. And I don't know, I just wanted something to
4: do and I enjoy beer festivals, so why not do a black beer festival?
0: Okay, you've heard of Oktoberfest, the big German festival with beer and food that is celebrated by millions of people all over the world. Well, we bumped into Zenovia Hogue at a black beer and barbecue festival called Blacktoberfest. In the United States, we've only come across two Blacktober beer festivals so far in St. Louis and in Durham, North Carolina. I like cold beer. has to be very, 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 very cold for me to taste (laughs) it. The 2023 Blacktoberfest in Durham almost got washed away by rain, but folks stayed around long enough to taste beer, wine, and other spirits made by a diverse group of vendors. That's new around here. We've heard how tough it is to break into this business, especially if you're a black woman. Well, Taylor Red of Charlotte decided to start from the bottom and work her way to the top shelf. This former bartender is the founder of Red Rose Vodka. You know, your company is still fairly young, but please tell us, when did you first sort of like get the idea to make and sell your own vodka? I mean, that seems like a real big girl move there. (laughs) I just wonder why,
4: why and how? Not anything else, right? (laughs) So, um, I got the idea in 2018. Um, I was actually working for a mortgage company, and I had to happen to read an article about Ciroc, the vodka Ciroc, and Diddy did, doesn't own it. And I was like, I didn't know that, but I've been supporting the brand because I thought he owned it.
0: Yeah, P Diddy, you know, the big yeah. rapper, yeah.
4: I didn't know that. So um, I've also been a bartender, turned mixologist. And one thing I learned about this industry is that women are not represented. Red Rose is more of a legacy brand than it is just a spirits brand. It's named after my grandmother, Rose Red. She created a safe space for women when it wasn't traditionally done. Um, she owned Flea Markets and a bottling recycling company. So keeping that legacy alive for me, it's more about legacy than it is um having just a just a vodka on the shelf
0: you sold your first bottle in 2020
4: yes I sold it to my cousin (laughs) so
0: so I wonder are you able to say like how many bottles you're selling now like really Mm -hmm. how how good is business going
4: Mm -hmm. so I've over the last two years I've we've sold 3,500 bottles And we are currently in a place where we are taking on capital investment so that we can put out more product, because um, the states that are asking for the product are really big states, and we know the product is going to do really well in those states. So we're taking on capital investment to really push out some real numbers.
0: Now tell me more about your grandmother. I mean, did she? (laughs) Because when I hear about the history of Black women and um say, alcohol or moonshine or any kind of liquor, whatever you want to call it, you know, they were masterful at it going back to when they were enslaved. You know, Mm -hmm. they perfected it even then. They were making it at Mm -hmm. home with fermented whatever was left over. And I wonder, you know, was your grandmother, was she making moonshine?
4: She wasn't. (laughs) My grandmother wasn't a drinker. So, um... She wasn't a drinker, but the reason why Red Rose is because I'm taking her story and bringing women into an industry that I know about. So I previously have a law degree and everybody has a law degree. All the attorneys are doing great things. But for me, it's bigger than that. How do I change this industry? So my grandmother was a disruptor, um, especially being a African-American woman in a she had a flea market. Most African-American women do not have flea markets. And having women come in and work for her, I she instilled that same tenacious energy, that same tenacious lifestyle inside of me. So how do I take this industry and change it? It's by creating my own brand and saying, I want women to be a part of this, I want women in this brand, I want women to support this brand, um, and I want to make a brand that supports women and gives back to them.
0: So tell me a little bit about some of the differences, you know, since you you chose this way to definitely be a disruptor. You know, we talk about beer and wine as opposed to liquor and spirits. What are Mm -hmm. the differences there?
4: So beer and wine and spirits are totally different entities. So beer and wine fall under the same category where spirits is more of a hard liquor. So they're completely separate. They require different applications, different permitting, all of that. So um, I chose hard spirits because there are a lot of women in wine. There are a lot of women in champagne. There are more uh, women owned breweries. But what does the spirits industry look like? I I'm a fighter I like to put up a good fight so I was like let me jump inside the spirits industry and create something um because one I'm a bartender mixologist and I I create cocktails creating a cocktail is an art so but what am I creating a cocktail with how do I tell a story in this cocktail and I don't even know the story behind the brand so that gives more leverage to red rose there's an actual story behind this brand well, since you
0: know you, you know, this has been a fight. It's probably been tough to break in when I think of the <laughs> the brewmasters cuz you know, you look around it's mostly white men, you know, they run mm-hmm. this show, especially yeah. in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, what were some of the challenges um you faced, you know, breaking into mm-hmm. this market?
4: North Carolina has been interesting. (laughs) So when I first got started, um, I went to the state. So North Carolina is a controlled state. All 50 states have different laws. So North Carolina is a controlled state, which means ABC runs everything. So if you want to make something happen in North Carolina, you have to go to Raleigh and make that happen. So I went to Raleigh, I pitched them, I said, hey, can you guys help us this out? And they were like, no, <laughs> we can't actually. Um, so from there, they were like, what we can do is put it on special order. So if a bar, restaurant or store wants to purchase it, they can. So then COVID happened. And it was kind of like they're Everything was shut down, so there wasn't much of anything I could do, so I resorted into online sales. Eventually, North Carolina came on board for the online sales, and I was able to sell in North Carolina, but once everything opened back up, um, I had another conversation with them, and they were like, hey, we'll still let you be special order, but right now, your brain is too small to bring it in as one of our as one of our warehouse brands, only because when you are one of the warehouse brands, you have to supply them continually with product to make sure that the product is on shelves. So you it's can't a- be
0: in the ABC stores right now. You're not in the ABC stores. Well,
4: I am in the ABC ah. stores right now. So oh. because I have made sure to be in the right rooms with the right people, make sure that people know what my, what my name is, what Red Rose stands for, I was able to get um, Red Rose on shelves without having the necessarily Necessarily go through the warehouse
0: well that's phenomenal and yes. amazing Yes. now are you
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so are you at all abc stores across mm-hmm. the state you know can we um you know can i buy it even in durham county yet
4: yeah, so it's It's in Wake, not Durham, I don't think. But if you go into the ABC store and ask for it, they'll more than likely put it in. So right now, we have six counties total. So it's Gaston, Belmont, um, all of Mecklenburg, Iredale, um, Greensboro, and then there's another one I'm missing. It starts with an F, but it's not Fayetteville. I can't think of what it is right Foresight. now. But, uh No, um... It's a smaller town, like, right outside of Salisbury. Okay. Starts with an F. I can't think of it right now. But um, I just have, when people request it in North Carolina, I say go into the store and ask for it. They'll put it on the shelf because it's available now. So I just make sure that people are going into the stores and asking for it so that we can make sure it's being placed in the right counties.
0: So how does one make say? top-shelf flavored vodka. Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> I'm not saying I don't drink a lot. I'll put that out, out there. But I have a lot of friends, and they drink a lot. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, they, wants what, they want what's on the top shelf. So right. what, I, what we find, um, your vodka there.
4: Yes. Actually, you will find it on the top or second shelf. Um, And it actually sits out on the floor. So in North Carolina, there is a wall that has North Carolina products. But Red Rose is not a North Carolina product because it's not in the warehouse. So it's sitting out on the on the vodka shelf. So it's sitting with the Cirox, the Belvedere, the Grey Goose, all of those. And it's either on the every store that I walk into, it's either on the top shelf or it's on the second shelf.
0: Well I don't I don't know how you do it. I mean, you have um you know, a law background, you're a bartender. Now, I guess you're a businesswoman. Yes. <laughs> I mean, um so is this what you do full-time? You're focused, you know, definitely on Red Rose vodka.
4: Yes, I am 100% focused on Red Rose vodka. Um I have been full-time in Red Rose for the last year and a half. Um it's been a very interesting journey, very interesting um just place to be um it has been lots of fun i'm thoroughly excited for what what's to come um cuz one of the biggest things is that we are making enough track we have enough traction making enough noise in the industry that distributors are calling us and saying hey how do we get our hands on the product so next year is going to be a really big year for us i haven't fully put that out yet but we have a few states who are like we have to have red rose vodka where can we get it Wow, I'm talking
0: with Taylor Redd. She's the founder of Charlotte based Red Rose Vodka. Okay, now I need you to be very descriptive. Okay. (laughs) You know, describe the taste of your signature Mm -hmm. vodka. You know, what. Um, What are the flavors we're talking about here?
4: Mm -hmm. Well, let's start with the bottle. So the bottle is matte black, and the matte black represents my grandmother because she was tenacious. My grandmother was the only black woman in her class. She was head of her class, and she walked across the stage in army fatigue pants and a T-shirt instead of wearing a skirt and pearls like the rest of the girls. Let's start there. The black represents her in saying, we are here, we are bold, and we are here to do the damn thing. And then after that, the logo is vertical on the bottle and not horizontal. I want you to see that logo. I want you to see her name. I want you to feel her name. I want you to know what she represents and what she stands for. Then the contents of the bottle. Right Mm -hmm. now, we have this strawberry lemon flavor out. The strawberry lemon has been a huge hit even in the winter months. So it's strawberry lemon, not lemonade. It's lemon. It's clear. There's no artificial colors or flavors. It's GMO. It's gluten-free. All of the things. Um, But what you feel and what you taste first is a strawberry. And what you feel and what you taste last is a strawberry lemon. So it's not heavy. You can literally sip it straight over ice. You don't need to mix it or chase it. It's literally just flavored vodka. And a lot of people don't like vodka, and I love those people because I'm like you just need to taste Red Rose. You need to <laughs> you just need to have Red Rose and that's it. Um it doesn't give you a headache. It's not going to give you a hangover. It's something that you can sip, just enjoy a moment with the people you influence. Um and this is our first of one one of many flavors. But this strawberry lemon, you first taste the strawberry, and on the back end you taste the strawberry lemon, and there's a very subtle burn.
0: A very subtle burn.
4: very subtle, yes. Just to remind you that it's alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Just... So tell me, you know, you've had, I'm
0: sure, several people to advise you and mentor Mm -hmm. you. Um, Tell me about those people and... Also, have you become a mentor to some others who would like to, um, you know, get into this business?
4: If I could give a shout out to everybody on my journey, a shout out to everybody. Um, Key people that I would point out are Jennifer Moxley, Sunshine Media Network. She has been amazing in this process. Um, And then my mentors that I have right now are Gene Waddy and um, Cedric Thomas They have been absolutely amazing in helping me streamline, get focused. My business coach, Brittany, she is absolutely amazing. Um, I really have some really great people in my corner. I mean, really shout out to everybody who has been on this journey with me. It has not been easy, but it's been a whirlwind Um, and then outside of that, yes. So a lot of women or actually a few, a lot of people actually reach out and say, hey, can you help me? Um, and what I will say is I have kind of stepped away from like taking on so many people because a lot of people do want to come into the spirits industry. But, um, I have sat with a lot of people and said, hey, here's what you need to do Here's how you move here, move there. Because outside of that, even Jackie from Sorrel has been a big sounding board. Uncle Nearest has been a big sounding board. Um, so I as much as as much overloaded information that I get from um, all these people, I definitely try to offload that information and help other people.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Because one thing um that I've heard from several the black women that I've met that's in this industry mm-hmm. they they always say no I, I wasn't necessarily a, a drinker mm-hmm. I did like to go out for a fine night every now and then mm-hmm. but they just said I just can't believe enough of us is <laughs> not in this industry like yes. and and we, cons- we we consume a lot in this industry you we know do. we have big mm-hmm. celebrations and parties mm-hmm. and yes. I just left my college homecoming and um, mm-hmm. So you're in the game, and I guess you're in the game to stay, huh?
4: Absolutely. I am here for the long run. I actually have two other brands that I'm conjuring in the background. Um, and outside of that, I have a nonprofit that I'm working on that'll help single mothers. Um, so there's a quite a few things I have that I'm working on in the background, but Red Rose is here to stay, and Red Rose is here for the long haul.
0: I guess a shout-out, you have two children Yes. Yes, and yes. you're doing all of this. Yes.
4: yes.
0: <laughs> and I mean, you're proving it can be done. So congratulations. Yes. Cheers, Taylor.
4: Thank you. Cheers to you too.
0: Taylor Red, the founder of the Charlotte-based Red Rose Vodka Company. And um, congratulations to your success.
4: Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on today.
0: You've been listening to Do South. Thank you to the brewmasters and entrepreneurs who lent their voices to this hour of black women and spirits. Conceived by Stacia Brown. Due South is produced by Cole Del Charco, Rachel McCarthy, and Stacia Brown. Denarius Thomas is our technical director. Aaron Kiever is the executive producer. I'm Leonida Inge. This is Due South on WUNC.